And it's Super Bowl Sunday. Anybody excited about the game later today? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be watching as well, and we'll be cheering on the 49ers versus Taylor Swift's team. Um, it's like you can't escape her. She's everywhere. Like my daughter came home from uh, school the other day on Friday and said, Dad, do you know that people that like Taylor Swift's music are called Swifties? And she was like, I like her music. <laughs> it's like, okay, um, are you learning anything else at school? I don't know. <laughs> But no, I'm excited that it's Super Bowl Sunday, and what you'll get to see tonight is really the power of a team, that these two teams are going to come together. Every team is stacked with really talented people, like they are like in the minority, in the, in the fraction of the percent of people that can actually do what they get to do, and they'll accomplish something tonight by winning a Super Bowl that very few people will ever achieve in their lifetime. And you will just realize that for them to accomplish what they'll be doing tonight, it requires a team of people to do that. That every single person on that team, through practicing, through being intentional, through working hard, and most of all, working together, are able to accomplish this thing, which is winning a Super Bowl game. Now, I'm excited to talk to you guys on Super Bowl uh, Sunday because I, I realize this, that there are more similarities between sports teams and church than you realize. Like, like, like think about it in this way. We have a head coach in Jesus, and we have a team in the church that he's given us. And the players, by the way, are every single one of us, every believer in Jesus is the players that we get. And Jesus even has a recruiting method when he went to the disciples and said, follow me, which has been our theme for this year. And we, we have a playbook that he's given us in the Bible on how to actually do it. And in the series, this is how we do it. We'll be talking through some of that and what that looks like. And we have a goal, which in sports is to win a game or win a Super Bowl. And for us, that goal in the church world is the great commission from Matthew 28 that says this, Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Go therefore into every nation, make disciples of them and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Or maybe another way that we as Mercy Road have redefined that is our mission for us as a church is this, that Mercy Road Church exists to see people who are far from God be discipled into a passionate relationship with Jesus. See, the Great Commission answers a lot of the, what we're supposed to do. And then Paul and the Bible teaches us a lot of the how we do it. So if we're going to do it the way that Jesus intended for us to do it, what does that look like? In this series, this is how we do it. We're going to be unpacking that. So turn with me to Ephesians 4. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 16. And I just want to set the table a little bit for that, that what Paul is doing here in this context is actually unpacking for us what it looks like for us to be the church that we're called to be and to live out this mission, the Great Commission, to reach every nation, every tongue, and every tribe with the good news of the gospel. Paul is writing to the church and saying, if you want to be the church that reaches its full potential, and reaches the nations, this is how you do it. And what he's going to basically share in, the, in these next few verses we'll be reading is this, is that it takes each person using their gifts to accomplish our mission as a church. Every single person, just as you'll witness tonight on the teams that will be competing in the Super Bowl, that every single person on that team has a role, a part to play. It's the same thing with the church, that every single person in the church has a role and a part to play, and we have spiritual gifts that God has given every single one of us that he intends for us to use to accomplish our mission, the Great Commission. 
if we're going to live out the mission of Jesus, it's going to take a team. And I don't mean our staff team. I know that we highlighted our staff team, but I don't mean that. And Jesus never meant for the mission of the church to be lived out just by a few people that get to work for the church. See, it's so much bigger than that. And the problem I see is that we've made church into a spectator sport, much like the Super Bowl. Where maybe we're across America and all of our churches, we're happy to show up on Sunday and to watch a few people up on a stage to use their gifts. And then we clap our hands and we say, man, that was really good. And then we leave and walk out of that space and listen, Jesus never intended for the mission of the church to become a spectator sport the way that we've made it. Jesus has given every single person in this room, every single person listening online right now, he's given every single one of us spiritual gifts the moment that we surrendered our lives to him. And he tends now to use all of that, including all of our story and our experiences, the good parts of our story, the not so great parts of our story. He intends to use all of that in order to further his mission. He gives each and every person a new purpose and gifts and abilities to use for his kingdom. And I think that part of the reason why maybe the movement of the church isn't reaching more people the way that it should, I think maybe part of the reason why we're seeing so many churches become unhealthy or unbalanced is because so many of us are content to not use our gifts and many of us are not operating in our God-given gifts. If we want to be the church that Jesus desires, to do the Great Commission, accomplish that, and to actually do it, the way that he intended for us to do it, it's going to require all of us stepping into and operating in the God-given gifts that he's given us in order to be church and to do it the way that he always intended for us to do it. Will you pray with me? Father, we just pause right now and we want to just invite you into this space. I know for many of us, we've been joining this prayer and fasting for 52 days and just developing this practice in our lives to listen to you and to begin to figure out what that looks like to actually hear from you, to discern your voice. And God, this morning as we sit down as a church family and as we have a really a team talk here to talk about how every single one of us, you intend to use us to move your mission forward, I pray that you just speak so clearly to every single person right now who's listening to this. Would you reveal to us maybe the gifts that you've put in us Would you reveal to us some of the passions that we have, some of the missed opportunities even that we're supposed to take? And God, would you use us all to begin to operate in those gifts that you've given us to move your mission forward, to see people come to know you, to see people that are far from you be discipled into a passionate relationship with you, Jesus. It's going to take every single one of us on this team stepping up, working together as a team to accomplish that. And I just pray and ask that you would make those things very clear to us today, I pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Uh, Many of you fans of sports uh, would know the phrase, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. And that was a phrase that LeBron James uttered in 2010 when he decided in the free agency to take his talents and to go play for Miami. See, what LeBron figured out was this, that He was born and raised in Ohio. He was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers, got to play for his home team. And for many years doing that, which LeBron, by the way, is an amazing player. Now, I'm a Chicago guy, so to me, it will always be MJ, who's the greatest ever to play it. Yeah, come on. 
Uh, but if there was like a Mount Rushmore of basketball, it's safe to say that probably LeBron's face needs to be up there among the greats. But what he figured out after a while playing for Cleveland was that he was never going to win a championship in Cleveland. And so in 2010, he says, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach, goes to Miami, teams up with Dwayne Wade, with Chris Bosh, and they end up winning two championships with Miami. And then years later, he'll come back to Cleveland, ends up winning a championship there. But this time around, he's got J.R. Smith, Kyrie Irving, some other people around him. And what I learned through that whole thing with LeBron is this, that, man, there's so much power in having a team around you that even the greatest of the greatest players, it takes a team if you're going to accomplish great things. And from our scripture today that we'll be looking at, we'll just see that, that it takes a team to accomplish great things. So read with me in verse 7. It says this, But grace was given to each of you according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. So what is it talking about here? It's talking about Jesus Coming into our world through the incarnation, that's Christmas time. We celebrate that, leading his ministry, going to the cross, walking out of the grave, victorious over sin and death. But as a result of that, now he empowers and he says this, that he gave gifts to men. That what Jesus is doing, he's building his team, which is the church. And every single one of us and empowering the church to carry out this mission, which is why he stood and he, he told them this, that all authority in heaven on earth has been given unto me. And in, an, in that authority, then he sends them to go and to make disciples of all nations. And I just find it really powerful that think about it in this way. If there was anybody in the history of the world that didn't need a team around him that could get it done on his own, it would be Jesus. But you know, the very first thing he does when he starts his ministry Before he ever went and healed the sick or proclaimed the gospel anywhere, the first thing that Jesus chose to do was to call some disciples. He was building a team. Because he was modeling for us and saying, church, this is how you do it. If you want to accomplish, accomplish great things and see the kingdom move and spread across all the nations, this is how you do it. You do it by building a team around you. Jesus chose a team to live on mission with. with. And so should we. And I, I find this that... Sometimes I think we can limit what God can do in and through us because we tend to think through the lenses of who we are as an individual and how much we can do. So it can look like this. Maybe there's a passion or something stirring in you and we begin to think, man, if I can just go do this, I can accomplish all these things. But what would it look like if we began to really shift that thinking and to think not what can I do on my own, but man, if I were to get a team around me, Invite other people to come in to be a part of this vision or this adventure or whatever it is. Could you realize how much more we'd be able to do with a team? Because it takes a team to accomplish great things. And I, I got to live that out. Many of you know that I went to Africa just a couple of weeks ago, just got back last week. And it was an amazing trip. And we saw God move in incredible ways. And what was different this time around from the last time I went to Africa was that I had a team with me. See, in 2017, I got to go back to Africa, got to preach in a couple churches, got to do some things, and it was great. But this time around, as I was trying to figure out, I mean, I see a lot of needs, and I'm trying to go back and to do more there. I grew up in Africa, and I have a heart for the continent. What can I do? And conversations began to happen between me and Dave and Mary Gothi last year at a wedding that we were at, and it resulted in us assembling this team that was made up of the three of us from Mercy Road. And then my brother, who's a pastor in Ivory Coast, 
Another couple that lives in Ivory Coast as well that are just incredible, incredible missionaries for the kingdom. And so we got to assemble this team of the six of us, and we got to go to Africa and to do ministry for a week together. And I can tell you this, I got to take a back seat, and I got to be the errand boy for the team that whole week to support other people, and I got to see God do something amazing that I could have never done on my own. Let's see, we saw 63 couples just the first night that we had the seminar. And just at the end of that first session, afterwards, I was talking to Dave and Mary, and I just kept telling them, do you guys realize what is happening right now? They're here in the room today. I just kept telling them, I was was literally moved to tears, and I kept telling them, do you realize what is happening right now? That what we're seeing happen in front of us literally never happens here in this culture. And I got to realize that that is the power of a team when you can gather other people around you and you begin to see God use all of your gifts and all the abilities you have and brings you together and does something far greater through a team that he could ever do through you as an individual. And I've got to see it here at our church with three moms that gathered together and they started this outpost that is called the Cool Moms United Outpost because they saw a need and a desire to really connect all these young moms that are just struggling to connect and have different challenges in their lives. And man, the three of them coming together have created something that God is blessing, that he is using to reach new people even outside of our church. And so many of us tend to limit what God could really do in and through us because we just tend to think maybe by the way that we were raised here in this culture, through such an individual lens of, man, I've got this dream. I've got to go do it. And man, what would it look like for us to begin to maybe shift that thinking and say, instead of what could I do, what could we do together? See, that's how this whole dream that we have as a church was birthed. That if you've been around Mercy Road Church at all, we talk about this sometimes that our dream is to see a million people discipled in the state of Indiana in our lifetime. And that dream was birthed because Pastor Josh and some of our leaders realized this, that if we just focus on what we can do as an individual, maybe we could grow a big church here. Maybe we can reach some thousands here. But man, when we begin to think outside of ourselves and think, man, what could God do if we had a team of people and a team of churches to accomplish this and to see our entire state reach with the gospel, what would that look like? That vision was birthed out of that. And that's why we do things like the family of churches, that we plant all these churches that we are empowering to go plant more churches. That's why we started an organization called Multiply Indiana that is all about planting even more churches that will never have the Mercy Road Church name. But we want to be all about that because you know what? God is using that. And we now have over 50 churches in Multiply Indiana that are reproducing and planting churches all throughout our state. And yeah, we can celebrate that. And that's how God can work in and through our lives. When we begin to shift from thinking me and we can begin to think we. What what, what can we do together? And it takes a team to accomplish great things for the kingdom. And I believe this, that God has given every single one of you in this room some gifts and abilities and opportunities that he wants to use to reach more people, to disciple more people within our state, to actually help us to accomplish that goal of reaching a million people in our state for for Christ. And he's given you abilities and gifts to be able to start new outposts, to start new businesses, new ventures, new nonprofits, to dream of new ways to reach new people that we haven't even thought of yet. And he's given you all of that in this room right now. 
But until we can begin to shift and think through, man, how, how can we get a team together? How can we work together as a team? We're never going to accomplish that goal in our lifetime. Number two, it takes all the right players. Number one, it takes a team to accomplish great things. Number two, it takes all the right players on the team to accomplish great things. In 2012, if you would have looked at the roster for the Oklahoma City Thunder, they had everything on paper to be an amazing basketball dynasty. So they had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Perkins, Tabo Cephalosha, Serge Ibaka. You know who came off the bench for that team? James Harden was the sixth man for that team. I mean, all these names that you hear and you're like, oh my goodness, they, they should have been an incredible team. And yet they never, ever won a championship. Because see, more than just having a team and more than just having some people on the team, it takes having all the right players on the team and all of those things working together in order to win games, in order to accomplish the mission that you set out to accomplish. And so what does that look like for us as a church? That see, God has already given us some of these players, all the right players on the team that he wants to use to carry out this mission. So read with me in verse 10, it says this, he who descended, that is Christ, is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Now, if you've been around our church much at all, then you've heard us refer to the term apast before. If you went through rooted, maybe, you would have taken an assessment to figure out what your apast gifts are. If you've been through a huddle, then you've definitely talked about that in your huddle. And the apast list, what we look at are just some of the gifts that God has given the church, some of the players that he wants on the team in order for the team to carry out its mission, the Great Commission. And I'm just going to walk through some of these real quick for us and just explain each one briefly. We don't have a lot of time to get into all of them. If you do want to explore more on this and figure out maybe what some of your gifts are, I'm going to be sending out a free assessment to you this week in your inbox. So if you get our newsletter, you're going to receive that. Take that assessment to find out what some of your gifts are. And you can actually read up on some of these gifts to figure out maybe how God wants to use that to be a part of what he's doing because he's placed you on the team and he's given you these gifts. But let's go through some of these real quick. The first on the list is the apostle. And a simple definition for that is simply that the apostle is one who is sent and extends. So you look at the apostle Paul, some of the early disciples, this is what they did. The apostles have the gift of spiritual entrepreneurship. So they travel from city to city, they plant churches, they start new ways to continue to expand God's kingdom to achieve the great commission. Some people who have the spiritual gift can actually use it uh, in the business world in different ways. And some of you are in here and you can look at what you do for work and you're like creating all these new ways to grow your company and all these things. And listen, God has also placed that gift inside of you and he wants to use that in the church to also grow the church, to advance the mission in the church. So don't just be thinking through the lens of, man, how, how can I use this gift in my professional life? No, he wants to use all those things to advance the mission. Number two on the list is the prophet. If you read the Old Testament, and a definition for this is that the prophet is simply one who questions and reforms. If you read the Old Testament, you can get a deeper understanding of what a prophet is and what they did in the Old Testament. These were the spokespeople that God used and he would reveal things to them and place his spirit upon them, give them the gift of prophecy to be able to come. And when God's people were in danger of straying or wandering far away from God, God would raise up a prophet that would challenge the people 
to lead them back to God. And when they were headed in the direction that would lead to maybe danger for God's people, he would call up another prophet to come and to lead God's people so that they would continue to be faithful. And God's given some of you that ability to be able to see some things and maybe some areas that could be an area of danger in the church. He's given you the insight where you just get these feelings and you're like, I really feel like the church should not be heading in this direction or doing this thing, or man, this thing is dangerous. And he's given you perhaps the gift of prophecy that he wants for you to use. And third on the list is the evangelist. Now, the evangelist is the one who recruits and gathers. Think of them maybe like the salespeople in the room that just have this ability to to gather people, to get people to buy in, to get people on board with things. And some of you, God has given you that gift. He's put that inside of you because he wants for you to use that to reach more people for his kingdom. That's what the evangelists do, and they help us to reach more people for the kingdom. Fourth on the list is the shepherd, and the shepherd is simply the one who protects and provides. And shepherds have a way of connecting with people, seeing people in their time of hurt. When people are hurting and broken, the the shepherds tend to be drawn to those people and have a heart for people and can just meet people right where they are and care for them. And be that loving presence in their life that God maybe uses to care for somebody and walk with them as they're going through hardships in their lives. And for some of you, God has given you that heart that he wants for you to use in the church to care for others around us as they're walking through things. And the last on the list is the teacher. And the teacher, you can think of this as maybe the people that have the gift of preaching, but not necessarily a preacher. That God has given some of you the ability to take his word, to understand it, and to have these insights from his word, and to be able to teach that to other people in a way that actually changes their lives. That you have a way of opening up God's word and drawing insights from that, and then making that simple and clear for people. And God has given you some of those gifts for some of you, and he intends for you to use that, even if you're not on staff, even if you're not up here on this platform, to use that to advance his kingdom to teach God's people so that they continue to grow into everything that God intends for them. And here's what I will say about every single gift is this, that every gift is important and necessary for the church to be all that Jesus desires. Every single one of these gifts is important. It is necessary to be everything that God intended for us to be as a church. Um, some of you in the room work out. Any, any people work out in the room? Any weightlifters in the room? Yeah, CrossFit people work out. Come on, show of hands. How many of you work out in the room? If you go to the gym, it doesn't take long to see and to identify who's been skipping leg day. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you look around and you're like, man, that guy, he is all chest and no legs, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like he could beat you up in a fight, but he couldn't chase you down. <laughs> And I look at some churches and I just think, man, they are all chest and no legs. And you know why that happens? Because some of the gifts are neglected within those churches. It is so important, guys, that every single one of these gifts be a part of the church, be used in the church. So some churches are really strong up top, but you look at them and you're just like, man, your, your legs are just not there. The legs are just lacking. Hey, we're just skipping leg day over here. Here's what I mean by that. Some churches are really strong in reaching new people. But then once they reach those new people, you see those people never get actually discipled to grow into maturity, to be everything that God intended for them to be. Because maybe they've neglected the gift of teaching in that church. 
Maybe they don't have the prophets that are speaking up and saying, hey, here's some things we're doing and here's some harmful ways that we're reaching new people, but we're not actually discipling them. And maybe the prophets are not using their gifts in those churches. And then you see some churches that are really strong on discipleship. Man, we preach the Bible over here. But then also those same churches are not reaching new people. Because maybe it's a church full of teachers and maybe they've neglected the apostles. Or maybe the evangelists are not a part of that church. So you see them preach the Bible every single Sunday. We're going to preach the Bible. We're going to spend 100 weeks on this book in the Bible. But yet you see that same group of 50, 60 people never reach anybody in their community. When the gift of evangelism is neglected, when the apostles are not operating in their gifts in the church, you see that the church becomes weak in that way and doesn't reach new people. Or some churches that are really strong on teaching... But then the care and the shepherding is lacking. And what people end up walking away with from those churches is, man, they will use the Bible to get in your face. But man, the love of Christ that is supposed to be a part of the church was just lacking in that church. Every single one of these gifts is so important. We need every single one of us to operate in these gifts that God has given us for the church to be how he actually intended for it to be. And here's what we tend to do sometimes is we tend to elevate some gifts more than others. And so some of us can even become jealous of, man, I really wish I had the gift to sing like Jaden does. I really wish I had the gift to do that like that person does. And Paul writes this in verse 7. He says, but grace was given to each of you according to the measure of Christ's gift. Meaning Jesus saw you and in his divine mercy and his wisdom decided to give you the gift that he gave you for you to use it. So maybe quit looking at somebody else's gift and envying that. Focus on the gift that he's already given you and figure out how you can use it because every single one of these gifts is important and needed in the life of the church. And these gifts, by the way, are not positions or titles. They are roles that we each get to play within the church, which is why, again, our mission is so much greater than just our staff. Our mission is so much greater than just a few pastors and what we can do on a Sunday morning. No, our mission is meant to be lived out by every single one of us in this room for us to be the church that God intended. And when we do all those things, when every gift is present, when people are operating in, in the gifts that God has given them and all these roles are functioning in the church as they should, here's what the result is. The result is there is health and there is numerical growth. The result is health and there's also growth. Take a look at verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. When we do it, when we operate in our gifts the way that we should, there's unity, there's spiritual maturity that happens in the church, and the church is built on a solid foundation in truth. Church, this is how we do it. When we all operate in those gifts that he's given us, and I think that maybe the growing biblical illiteracy that we see in the church all across America today that all these studies are coming out and writing about is because the teachers aren't using their gifts to teach God's people his word, to know him, to grow in maturity. And maybe we just relied on a few pastors to get up on a Sunday morning and do it and not operating in our gifts. And maybe 
The reason why our churches are following all these deceitful movements and doctrines that we're seeing happen is because the prophets aren't using their gifts to warn God's people to turn away from danger and from false doctrine to actually walk in the truth and are not protecting God's people the way that they should. And again, you don't have to be on staff or have a title to operate in this God-given gift that he's already given you. It's not about any of that. And Paul goes on to say, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When we all get to come together, use our gifts and operate in the church in those gifts, the church is healthy and healthy things naturally grow, meaning we're going to reach more people as well, but we're going to do it in a healthy way and it's going to be the healthy kind of growth and there's going to be growth in maturity that also comes with that. And most importantly, when you have all the gifts represented together, it makes sure that Christ remains at the center of everything that we do. That's why we need all of these gifts working together to be the kind of church that God is calling us to be. And I don't know about you, but I was reading through all of this and what Paul is talking about and all of the joints being held together, build itself up in love to reach more people, the unity, the maturity that comes through. And I was just thinking, man, I want to be a part of that kind of church. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And then it dawned on me and I had this thought, listen, Mercy Road, we can be that kind of church. We can be that kind of church. As I look around this room and all the different people that I've gotten to meet, all the different ways that God has gifted you and equipped you, how he can use every single one of us. Listen, we can be that kind of church. Here's what I believe with everything in me is that everything we need to be the church that God has called us to be is already in this house. I'm going to say that again. Everything that we need to be the kind of church that God has called us to be, that changes the world, that is on mission, is already in this house. Because he tells us that in his word. That he's given us these gifts. And Ephesians 2.10, he says this to us that when you've been saved by, by faith through grace, here's what the result of that is. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Every single one of us in this room, when you surrendered your life to Christ, he took you and he fashioned you into his work of art to be used by him, to be a part of the church, to be this kind of church that is on mission, that is changing the world for Christ. Everything we need to be the kind of church that God is calling us to be is already right here in this room, in this house. But I think so often we miss out on living the life that God has for us because maybe our view of ourselves is maybe not the way that God sees us. And maybe some of us are just so distracted with so many different things in our lives and we're not leaning into all that God wants to do in and through us. And we tend to just think, man, when it comes to being a part of God's team, I'm just some player off the bench that isn't really that valuable, that really couldn't do a whole lot. And one of the teams that I was a part of in high school, we went almost undefeated that season. And it was a team that was stacked with awesome players, Division I players, all these incredible players. So it was not a rare thing to find yourself sitting on the bench a lot. And one of the teammates that I had started referring to those of us that would be on the bench as the scrubs. And then when the team would go up by a lot of points, he would say, hey, it's time to put in the scrubs. 
but he referred to the bench as the scrubs. And I just never liked that. But I think many of us tend to see ourselves when it comes to God's team, we tend to think that, man, we are just the scrubs in God's kingdom. Can I tell you this, that God's team has no scrubs? What, what, what does he tell you that you are? He says, you are my workmanship. I've created and fashioned you in Christ Jesus to do good works that he already prepared for you to walk in them. God's team has no scrubs. You are his workmanship. And then I would also say this, that God's team also has no bench. That man, we've taken our churches and we've turned our pews into benches where thousands of people are gathering in churches all across America on a Sunday morning and filling a seat rather than realizing, man, God has made you into his workmanship, a work of art to be used by him, to go and to change the world for Christ. And we're happy to come and to sit on a bench on a Sunday morning and to miss out on all the different ways that God wants to use us. That the numbers show this, the studies done show that less than 30% of people that go to a church in America actually use their gifts in the church in any meaningful way. Less than 30%. And I just look around this room and I realize this, if some of you, if some of you, man, if you would just begin to see yourself the way that God sees you, to realize that, man, you are no scrub, you are his workmanship. I just wonder if some of you wouldn't be getting up and saying, put me in coach, I'm ready to get in the game. Because there are spiritual giants sitting in these seats right now. That everything that we need to be all that God is calling us to be as a church is already in the house. He's already given you that gift. So what are we waiting for? Why are so many of us content to come and to fill a seat and to sit on the bench and man, to miss out on the incredible life that God has for you? All the different ways that he wants to use you, not just in the church, but even beyond that to advance his kingdom, to change the world for him. Here's what I realize as well is that everything you need to be who God has called you to be is already in your hand. It's already in your hand. In Exodus, when God shows up to Moses and he, he calls him and he says, Moses, you're going to be a leader. You're going to lead my people out of slavery. Go establish them as a nation. Moses has all these complaints. Well, God, I, I don't know. I, I, I stutter. God, I, I don't know how I'm going to go before Pharaoh. And here's all these issues I have. And listen, I've done the same thing in my life. When God has called me over and over again in my life, hey, here's the thing that I'm calling you to step into. I usually give him all the reasons why. Well, God, I'm just too young. I'm not educated enough. I don't know the Bible enough yet. I don't have the experience. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't have the resources to do it. And listen, over and over again, God just shows us this, that when he calls you, his calling is also his equipping. Everything you need to be who God has called you to be is already in your hand. That's why God said, Moses, what is in your hand? And that staff that he was holding, God would use that to do miracles and wonders and to lead his people out of slavery. Everything you need to be who God has called you to be is already in your hand. And listen, if it's not in your hand already, God is going to put it there. Because his calling is always his equipping. And that would make God an unfair God if he would ever call you to do something that he didn't already equip you to do. So listen, everything you need to be who God is calling you to be is already in your hand. And here's what I love so much that unlike in sports where you want to recruit the best talent, who are the best players out there that we can recruit and get on the team to win games. I love that God, our God, doesn't look for the best talent. He just looks for the most available people. 
And he says, come to me in all your shortcomings and your weakness, because my power is made perfect in your weakness, in all your brokenness, all the different things that you think you don't have in your life. God wants to take all of that and to equip you and to transform you in a powerful way, to change his kingdom, to change this world for Christ. Everything that you need to be who he's calling you is already in your hand. So will you be available to him and allow him to use you? God doesn't need the most talented people. He needs the most available people. And it says, when you feel weak, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Come to me with all your brokenness and shortcomings, everything you don't think you, you have, and I'm going to change you and make you into my workmanship to use to transform this world. And you surrender to me, be available, and you just watch what I'm going to do in and through you. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for every single person in this room. And God, you're an amazing God. And I just look around this room right now and I just see amazing people. Lives that Jesus, you have changed and transformed. People that you have transformed into your workmanship to be used by you in a powerful way. To be people that will change this world for you. That God, we're sitting in this room right now or even online and some are watching right now that are kingdom movers. And all that they're waiting for is just... God, for that awareness, for that realization, to open up their eyes and to see all the gifts that you've already given them, that it's already in them, that it's already in their hands. And God, you want to use those gifts to advance your kingdom. And God, I just pray and ask that you would allow us to just listen to your voice in this season, to surrender everything that we have to you so that you would use us as a team every single one of us using our gifts wherever you've called us to live to work to play that we would use our gifts there to see so many people come to know you to see your kingdom advance in our lifetime we pray all these things in jesus name and all god's people said amen amen <laughs>